Hi, welcome to the Business Vitality Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Canty. You can learn more about me and my team at KatherineCanty.com. For more than two decades, I have been able to travel the country and help other people grow their business. From those experiences, I was able to work with a proposal team that generated success 90% of the time for over a decade. We have created a leadership coaching program that is creating 100% measured results as seen by the leaders, peers, and stakeholders. And finally, I have spent nearly a decade in boardrooms, corporate boardrooms, where we are learning what's working and what's not. And more importantly, we're able to take the communication from the boardroom and get it down to the front line so execution is easier to implement. You know, from all these experiences, we created a framework called Business Vitality. These are all of the best practices of leaders and and opportunities that have been coming up decade after decade. And a lot of this stuff has been in practice for more than 20 years, 30 years and beyond. And what we're learning is a lot of these folks that are remaining vital in business today are having to think differently. And to share a quote from one of my CEOs that I've worked with in the past, he told me all day long he can hire folks, but what he needs more of are people who think outside the box. So in an effort to pay it forward and celebrate successes, we are going to be sharing stories of leaders who are thinking differently and remaining vital in business today. Please stick to the end and we will share how you can be a guest on the show. And thanks so much for being here. Bart Rubert, you are the Managing Director at Stone Peak Alliance, found at StonePeakAlliance.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Catherine, pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. So, Bart, can you tell me at a high level, what exactly does Stone Peak Alliance do? In a nutshell, we turn entrepreneurs into millionaires. And the short version of how we do that is we've tapped into the technique that generates 88% of all new wealth for individuals that are out there, which is either selling a company or selling real estate. And often those two are tied together. So we discovered early on that when you have something like selling businesses or real estate that generates 88% of all the new wealth, the only question left is how do we get in on that? And so we've come across a lot of business owners that have a company, some of them been in their years, if not decades, They're not sure what to do with it, not sure what the transition path looks like. And they, of course, like to get the most amount out of it, either financially or from a terms perspective of the transition. And we're just very good niche players in making that happen. So can you tell me a little bit about how your methods differentiate you from the competition, from other other businesses that are providing maybe a similar service? What separates you? Sure. And I'll, I'll start with a bit of a story. The way that we fell into this isn't the traditional route to where we were financial engineers with spreadsheets that attended you know, lengthy universities on how to do M&A. That's a beautiful path. And that's what the big five firms do typically. But we actually took the exact opposite path, which is being an entrepreneur, growing, selling companies just over and over again, and found that there wasn't really a specialist that took a look at the entrepreneur's individual needs. They were more commoditized from a transaction perspective. And when I mean commoditized, they basically have a laundry list of general or generic things that they do that don't necessarily promote the greatest value out of your business and don't assist you with some of the core elements that give you the most out of it, like negotiation. 
and you wind up just getting a very like a laundromat experience. I mean, you put a piece of clothing in and you get a piece of clothing out and it's with thousands of other pieces of clothing. The frustrating part that I found doing that over and over again is that the larger companies you work with, the more generic of a number you are. So I worked with small brokerages. I worked with really large M&A firms where we paid them millions of dollars for the success of, you know, like an eight-figure sale. And the reality is that when it's all said and done, you look around and you're like, I'm doing all the work anyway. Myself and my team are the ones that have to actually get this stuff done. Why am I paying you guys to do this? And we really enjoy this. So let's start our own group that actually does that for entrepreneurs, but does it the right way that really doesn't treat them like a number. It gives them the assistance and the support they need. And we built an entire series of processes around that that we call the boost technique. And the boost technique is designed to take systematic approaches for an individual business, really accentuate those and bring those to the surface and bring in our experts to help and facilitate the negotiation of the process to be able to get between 20% and 40% more value out of the sale of the company. So it sounds more of a boutique feel. You are definitely tailoring the solutions to the individual business owner or entrepreneur to be able to help them accomplish their unique goals. Is that safe to say? That's right. It's It, it has to be in order to yeah. be done properly. I mean, the reality is that as much as you want to believe the big firms who would say, we can process you with a lot of volume, the only way they're able to do that is to treat you like another number. And the reality is every business is unique. Every business owner is unique. Every need is unique from the standpoint of we all want the most amount of money. We all want our staff to be preserved. We all want you know something that's pretty quick and upfront money. That's not always the focus. It's never really the focus of the large groups that are taking that on. Because you've got to be a boutique player and really understand what it is that the individual owner wants to create that. And it takes time. I mean, some of these deals take, uh, you know, many months or sometimes even over a year. But with the techniques we bring together, which are the boost strategy, which is a system of processes tailored for the business, and what we call our negotiation techniques, which we refer to as asymmetric negotiation, between those two elements, you find not only can you get more money from the business, but we can actually get a business sold in a fraction of the time that some of the other players are, are able to make that happen. That's exciting. So um, tell me, tell folks a little bit about, you've got private equity and then you have venture capital and you know they're two different animals a little bit with what you're doing. Do you work mainly with one or the other or a combination of the two? And do you mind kind of going high level and explaining that to the listeners? Sure. And it's not necessarily, uh, it's not necessary to do that when you're selling your business, but when you're taking on capital to continue the growth path, towards an exit and certainly need to go down that path. Uh, there's a lot of bankers that are much smarter in that area than us that, that have fancy terms for it. I tend to just break it down really simplistically. It comes down to this. You've got venture capital, which is your large public institutions that are you know, just talking to like a thousand companies before they find one that they invest in and they take the majority. And then you've got private equity, which is typically a more intimate conversation, although you're dealing with really sharp people it's kind of like the shark tank when you go in and, and have that experience. We tend to work primarily with um, angel investors or private equity 
uh, from an experiential perspective, because we find that number one, the relationship and reputation that we've built bringing companies to bear leverages much more easily in an intimate environment than it does like the big ocean. Because there's groups that we can go to right now and say, this is a company that we really like. This is a group that we intend to help exit. Our exit timeframe is two to three years. We need 5 million to be able to pull it off. And we can do that far more quickly because we've worked with them before and we've made them a lot of money before. And that's typically easier in, in the private equity world or the angel investor world, if you can get access to that. We we tend to call that the ivory tower of investors, which is who we almost exclusively work with. The ivory tower is a group that you've worked with before, or they know people, the people you've worked with know people that you can get in touch with very quickly. Um, there was a company that we we actually bought last year that we ended up getting the capital we needed for that transaction in like a little over two months. And that was just unheard of for what we needed and how we needed it, only possible because of the relationships we built. Yeah, that is excellent. Thank you. Um, you know, I've, I've looked at some of the work and the interviews that you've done in the past, and I noticed that you shared some of these leadership skills that are particularly important with your line of work. And um, it may not be any big surprise, but you talk a good bit about the importance of communication, mindset, and strategy. Can you kind of share why these are vital in your world? Absolutely. I think that for whatever reason, there's a trend these days of leaders wanting to be uh, more inclusive with people, which is absolutely what you want. But the way that they're starting to do that is to actually take, I would say, less of a leadership role. So being a little bit, being inclusive to the point of actually making the running of a company a bit too democratic to where people are confused. They're like, well, I know this person wants that and that person wants this. That's great. You want buy-in across the board. But I would say from a leadership standpoint, you've got to have somebody that's charting the course for where we're going. What's the goal? Why is that the goal? How are we going to achieve that goal? Once you set more or less a singular objective or just a couple different high-level objectives for the organization, your your next order of business is to find a way for everybody along that continuum within the organization and that org chart to support that objective. And so if you're in a situation to where your goal is to double size the business in the next three years, that's a great goal at a high level. And it's very specific, so it's measurable. But each individual, whether you're a customer care agent, a software developer, somebody that's basically mopping the floors and taking out the garbage, I like to see everybody roll up to that objective. How is what each person doing contributing to the overall goals? That will make them feel far more involved and included with what's going on. It will empower them to step up and take care of the areas they need to focus on. And it will also create alignment across your organization. So there's no lack of clarity as to what needs to be done, but there's a lot of discussion around how it can be done. And that's where you get really brilliant, genius ideas that you'd never come up with yourself, that everybody else is organically flooding the organization to be able to achieve that. So that you've got clear communication as to what the objectives are. Everybody's on the same page there. You've got a solid understanding for each person along the way, how they're going to be able to help get there and the understanding that they can contribute new ideas without that being threatened. That's just one of them. But I think from a growth perspective, a lot of the folks I'm talking to right now are trying to figure out what's the best way to get my organization and culture aligned, particularly if I've got now a remote workforce to achieve that. And it, it starts with the top. You want to set very clear direction 
and then make it very clear for everybody how they can not only contribute to that, but fit it into the evolution of those ideas. I think that's extremely important. And I think, you know, it sounds so obvious to us, the the importance of that communication, setting strategy at the top and empowering people so they know how to support the company without feeling that they're having to lean on all the different managers or different people in there. Um, there's real communication um, and empowerment that takes place when you've started at the top, like what you're saying. So, um, and then that makes it a much easier company to, to transition if, if you're selling um, to be able to have that clear communication throughout there and in the support of the team. So um, this kind of leads me into my, my next question. I was reading that, you know, very often these creators of these really successful companies are not necessarily the strongest managers. They're more of a, a creative mindset and they can create things great. But when it comes to the actual implementation and not implementation, but the, the leadership aspect, the communication through the company to really set that vision and, and be there day in and day out. Sometimes they don't necessarily have the strongest manager skills, but they're brilliant when it comes to the creativity piece. Um, if you've seen this in the past, how do you take that, that creative mindset and either put a team around them that can manage or put leaders around them that can kind of manage? Because there's usually the visionary and then there's everybody else who needs to execute it. Do you support, if you see that gap of, of just a big creative person and not necessarily that leadership and team in place, do you support that to kind of help take it to the next level? Um, what are your thoughts around that? We do. In fact, it's kind of funny, just literally two hours ago, we were on a call with a company, our team with that exact same situation to where there were three university professors that 15 years ago had created a software product to solve their own problems at really high note worthy universities, uh, Penn State and some others, even one that's international. And they created this to solve problems they ran into as university professors that were extremely high end, that needed to get things done in a fast period of time, and built an entire set of intellectual property around marketing analytics. And this is a brilliant tool. And it is phenomenal with what it does. Us, and it's got transferable capability in all kinds of other industries beyond just academia. And they approached us with this exact same problem. And it looks like we're going to be able to move something forward for them. They needed the business leadership. They had the academia knowledge, the industry knowledge. They had the intellectual property knowledge. They knew how to create a product. But they don't know how to get that out there, to sell it, to grow it, to look at an exit strategy. They need strategic as well as tactical advice on how to make that work. So very likely we'll end up working with them uh, depending on terms that we're talking through, but it's a common scenario. What I would say is that we all tend to know whether we're the business owner or the outside consultant looking in what the right thing to do is, but we're always getting wrapped around the axle with how to do it. And the reason we get wrapped around the axle is because knowing what the right thing to do is and actually do, doing it are two very different things. And the latter is very difficult because if you're, say, the creator of this perfect product, that's your baby. But you also know you're not able to get it sold in the commercial market. You're not able to grow the company. You're not able to sell it. That's a skill set you don't want to go and spend the next 20 years learning. You'll never be as good at that as somebody else. But you are the perfect creator of that product. It starts off with, just like most things do with companies, recognition and awareness of who's in the best spot, who's in their, what we call the highest and best use of their skill set. 
And oftentimes people get Peter principled beyond their own skills. And that's when you notice a company flounder, fail, or stagnate. So it's more than just surrounding yourself with people. It's actually empowering them and literally handing it over to them to be able to do their job and trust them to do that job because you know that they can do it better than you. And if you're in a situation where you're still telling yourself, no, I can do this better. I want to keep going, et cetera. You're not ready for that. So don't try to force it. Uh, But once you start with the awareness that everybody's got something they're very good at and everybody's got things that they don't like or they're not good at. And it's easier for people, I think, to think of it as things they don't like to be able to say, I'm not interested in that. Let somebody else do it. That's the point where you have to make decisions to start maybe even getting it out on a piece of paper to say, these are things I like. These are things I don't like. How can I do the things I really love that I'm most passionate about? Because the company will get more out of me for that. And how can I outsource the things that I don't like? And sometimes that means that you as the founder wind up as the CEO chairman, and you've got other people that are the CTO or other business roles, that's fine. So you hand off things like technology in the books and let somebody else do that as you grow. That's a very organic way. It's also a very traditional way people think about it. But I would also say, like in the case of the story of the group that we just talked to a couple of hours ago, this is one where they said, look, we know we don't know how to run this company. We know that we're great professors, great product creators. We need somebody that's got that business acumen. And we're not ashamed of the fact that we don't know how to do that. We're empowering somebody else to do that because we know that's for the greater good of maybe not our own ego, but of the company. That's the way you got to think about these things. And sometimes that means you've got to bring in a CEO or a team of business advisors or somebody that really can take that and run it to the next level, even if that means giving up a bit of equity or paying somebody or whatever, because as we all know as entrepreneurs, a piece of something that's way, way, way bigger pie is a whole lot better than 100% of something that's extraordinarily small, especially if it's stagnating or slipping backwards. And that's why I think it it all starts with that self-awareness. If you've got the awareness to be able to say, right, what's my best fit? And can I be honest with myself and make the hard decisions? Everything else will feel very organic and natural. Yeah. It reminds me of the book, Strength Finders, and being able just to focus on what is your true strength and be okay that we're not going to focus on weaknesses because there are other people, those weaknesses are their strengths. And um, you can create a bigger impact on the world, really. You know, I know it's it's about money and and providing for yourself, but also, you know, you create a much bigger impact by empowering other people to to kind of help you bring it up and and be able to set your um, set your goals and accomplishments. So that's interesting. You were just talking with uh, with folks not too long ago about that same scenario. Um, you know, I, I shared with you before we got on this that I'm, I'm actually located in the southeastern part of the United States. And for the past 18 months, I've been part of some research and we've pulled research from a number of places, one of which is the IRS data. And we're seeing that we have in the southeast um, one of the largest inbound migrations um, throughout the entire country. So there's people that are coming into the south faster than they're leaving, and they're leaving some of these other parts within the country. And, you know, we see folks such as encore entrepreneurs that are coming into this space. These are folks that have careers 
um, in, in some other space, they retire maybe early because they've been able to, to sell their company, like what you're saying you, you, you do. Um, and they want to have an encore career because they love their work. They love the impact that it creates. And, um, you know, they're beginning to realize they like the sunny weather in, in the Southern part of, of the U S and, you know, I've, we're beginning to see the trend here. I'm curious, what kind of other trends are you seeing? And, and is this a trend that you're seeing? And what else is out there that maybe you're seeing in that M&A space? Yeah, there, there's so much that we could talk about on that front, <clears throat> especially in light of COVID and how that's impacted everything. <clears throat> I, I guess what I would say is that with what you're observing, it sound like our prior clients, right? <laughs> that success and they're, they're not looking for that next big thing to do. It's a phenomenal opportunity. And I, I would strongly encourage those individuals that are in that spot to seek companies to take over, to buy, or at least be on a board of directors and advisors for. And if you're not sure how to go about that, feel free to shoot me an email because we've got groups like that all the time that we're running into, like that group of university professors that I just mentioned. Maybe somebody out there just sold a company where they do something very similar to that. They've already got a network. They've already got contacts. They want to be part of this. We would be happy to fold somebody like that in for the exact reason we just talked about in the sense that if there's somebody that's better, smarter, more attuned to that environment than us, we would happily bring them in and fold them into that opportunity with you know, equity, money, whatever, to be able to get more for ourselves. A bigger piece you know, or a smaller piece of a bigger pie is economically far better for everyone. So I think for those folks especially if you're at a certain point in life, like 55, 60, that's a perfect age because you've got all the experience that most of the younger generation doesn't have yet. You've seen a, an incredible amount of stuff over years to have wisdom as well, but you've still got a lot of gas in the tank. You've still got a lot of energy, even if you don't want to go in and, and slog it out for like 40, 70 hours a week. But that guidance is so important. It's knowing which problem to fix and how to fix it. whereas the younger generation than you may just spin their wheels for a really long time and be inefficient. There's great value in that. So don't underestimate that. And I, I would encourage you look for companies that are for sale, look for companies that have a board that are looking to get advice and guidance so that you can leverage that very critical skill set towards the success of somebody else to help them create what you've just created, have a lot of fun in the process and make some more money for yourself on the side. Perfect. Um, so if people want to learn more about you and the work and possibly getting on board, supporting, you know, some of this work, if, if you've got this encore, you know, entrepreneur, or you have somebody that's kind of in a position where they're kind of ready to see what the options are, what is the, uh, the best next step with you and, and what should they do? Sure. There's a couple things that I'll give you in terms of websites and then an email address on the website front. If you're looking to sell your business and you're interested in the boost technique to get you 20, 40% more value out of that company, you can check us out at www.stonepeakalliance.com and see if our techniques are for you. If so, you feel free to reach out. If you are one of those encore entrepreneurs, like you mentioned, Catherine, and you're looking to buy a company or participate in that, We've actually got a separate program on the buy side that you can find at www.spartansalliance.com. That's Spartans, plural with an S, alliance.com. And you can also shoot me an email at brupert at stonepeakalliance.com. And I'd be happy to answer any questions you've got. 
This has been great. Thank you so much, Bart. Bart Rupert, you are the managing partner at Stone Peak Alliance, found at stonepeakalliance.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Catherine, thanks for having me. My team and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Business Vitality Podcast. We really appreciate you being here. If you know of another leader, another CEO, a founder who has another success story that they are willing to share and be able to pay it forward, we would love to highlight their stories on this podcast. You can find more information at katherinecanty.com. And in the meantime, if you could take a minute and rate this show, that would be super helpful because that's going to allow more people like you to find us in order to continue to pay it forward. Again, if you need to learn any additional information, we are happy to help. You can find us more at katherinecanty.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn with my name, Katherine Canty. Thanks so much for being here.